Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Please help me welcome Marcus Rogers. Marcus, welcome to the stream tonight, bro. Man, thank you for having me. You gave me like a Michael Jordan, like 95, 96 Bulls introduction or something, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, I know that you're going to get on here. You're not going to start promoting your stuff, even though I want you to. I know you're not that type of guy. But man, I I was laughing because a lot of people have been writing me this week that are new followers to the page. They're like, how did you get Marcus? You're finally collabing with Marcus. And these people have been following for a month (laughs) or two from YouTube. And I'm like, man, guys, just so you know, me and Marcus go way back, okay? Uh, We've been friends for about three years now. We've done events together in person. We've done streams together. I know a lot of you are new to to our platform, to our page. But Marcus is a friend of ours. He's no stranger here. And so, man, I just want to say I honor you, bro. I love you. I appreciate you. You are you are a viral content machine. Literally, I feel like everything you post goes viral. God has given you really an online church, an online following of people that are radical, that are sold out, and that are, you know, a part of what God is doing in your life. And so I don't know anybody doing it the way you're doing it. So for that, man, I honor you. Not just that, but as a man of God, as a husband, as a father, I've seen you pray. I've seen the way you minister. I've seen the way you treat your wife. And so, man, I appreciate you being on here, man. Thanks so much for being on here tonight. Man, thank you for having me, bro. Um, and you know it's an honor for me to be on here with you because I like just being around like-minded brothers. You're fired up. You're a truth teller. You don't hold no punches, man. And and I like being around real ones, man. So thank I you love for it. Me, I bro. love it, man. I know tonight's gonna be fire, guys. I'm telling you, get ready. I believe tonight, as we share, as we preach, as we prophesy, there's going to be freedom. We're not doing this live stream because we have nothing better to do. We both left our kids, left our wives because we believe tonight is a night of breakthrough. I just want to start by speaking over some of you that God is getting ready to end the war. There's been a spiritual battle in your life, and I feel like God is beginning to break. You know, Marcus, we were talking about earlier. We are in one of the greatest spiritual wars the earth has ever seen right now. November 10th, 2020, we're in the middle of it, and I believe there is a fight or flight that is happening right now, and some are running from the battle, and others are running towards the battle. Someone sent me a clip last year. I was at a church preaching saying, get ready, because we're getting ready to come into the greatest storm the church in America has ever seen. And, you know, we preach that, Marcus, and people shout, and they clap, and they get excited, but what they don't realize is God is giving us, and I feel the fear of the Lord, even as I say this, prophetic warnings for the body of Christ so that we can be prepared for the battle. There is a war breaking out. There is a spiritual battle that right now is happening and these messages we're giving when we're blowing the trumpet when we're saying we're in the middle of a war it's time to raise up the warriors this is this is a call to change your life this is not a call guys tonight is not a night of business as usual we are blowing the trumpet tonight we are sounding the alarm i was just watching a couple people earlier live streaming and i was going and i'm not going to call people out but i'm going bro where is the urgency right now false prophets the bible says are those that speak peace during a time of war in other words they have the right message in the wrong time they're saying there's no war there's no calamity in fact the bible says false prophets try to give natural remedies to heal mortal wounds. In other words, they're trying to solve what's going on in the spirit in the natural. And guys, I feel the fire. I'm telling you, the battle that we're in is not going to be won on the comment section of Facebook. We are fight, fighting high-ranking demonic powers right
right now in America, there are things hindering the move of God in your life, hindering your prayer life, hindering the fire, hindering the anointing. And tonight we came to break and to shatter in the name of Jesus, everything that is hindering you and is trying to hold you back from being in alignment with God's word. There's so many things hindering. And I, you know, we talked about earlier, Marcus, that right now there's a shrinking happening in the body of Christ. Judges seven talks about Gideon's army where, where basically there's 32,000 soldiers and God says, Gideon, there's too many. Now, last year I was preaching some messages that did, some of them got me in trouble. And I was talking about how God was beginning to empty out some mega churches and God in 2020 was gonna sift the mega church. And people say, what are you talking about? I didn't know it was gonna be COVID. I didn't know anything about that. I just knew God was telling me he was going to begin to empty out some of these massive inflated swollen churches how many know your limbs and body parts can grow when you get hurt by getting swollen doesn't mean it's a good growth and there's a lot of swollen churches and God says I'm going to shrink them down and God began to show me Marcus and get in Judges 7 where Gideon has 32,000 men and God says Gideon I want you to tell everyone that's afraid and everyone that's a coward and everyone that's worried to go home and the Bible says 22,000 people left Gideon. In other words, God says there's this massive amount of followers and people, and I want all the cowards to go home. Guys, right now, God is sifting out his church. Well, now there's 10,000 left. God says, Gideon, I want you to test them. I'm going to turn it over here in a minute, Marcus. He said, I want you to test them. And the Bible says, out of the 10,000, only 300 were left. Now, I'm telling you guys, there is a massive sifting happening. Some of you say this or that or COVID. I'm telling you guys right now, it's God sifting his church. And the Bible says God told Gideon and the 300, and I know you've gotten some revelation on this, to go into the enemy's camp, to surround the camp, blow trumpets and smash pitch on pitchers and God says for I've delivered the Midianites over to you go to their camp so they go to the camp in the middle in the middle of the night and God says shout that the sword of the Lord and for Gideon that's what they're going to shout so they go and they shout the sword of the Lord and for Gideon and the Bible says and this is what I want to point out here Marcus that the enemy's camp they begin to fight each other the Bible says that the Lord set the sword of one against another and through entire camp begin to fight each other and this is what's happening right now is God is setting confusion on the enemy's camp and the enemies are beginning to fight each other these even in the demonic realm there's division happening right now God is training up these soldiers and I'm telling you guys there's no room for cowards in this battle spit out your pacifier God is removing the cowards Revelation 21 8 says the first First ones to go into the fire are the cowards. God is saying it's time to get raised up trading your pacifier for a spiritual sniper rifle i really believe man there's an army rising up there's war breaking out right now and i believe god is training up soldiers to begin a fight in this last day battle go for it can you hear me yeah i'm good man i'm here yeah, man. So I believe, man, I know God's been showing you stuff about this end time army, about God raising up people. And I really just want to speak to some people tonight and say, now is your time. Don't wait around. Don't wait until you have it all together. Now's the time to fight the good fight, to engage in spiritual warfare and to be on the front lines where God's called us. I think too many people, Marcus, think God's called them to the sidelines. And so they kind of come and they cheer us on. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you for being here. There's 1,700 of you watching. I'm glad you're here, but we're not here so you can cheer us on. We're here to preach, to train you up, to equip you so that you can fight the battle that God has called you to fight. Everybody has a battle that God has called them to fight. Big facts, man. And so that's what I I started doing Facebook uh, in the first place, because I just wanted people to know like, Hey man, you can make it. Mm. 
God has a plan. He said, I knew you in the womb. And let me just, let me, before, before I even get started, let me give you guys a commercial real quick, because people are like, oh, you guys are always talking about abortions, you know, when it comes to the political stuff and LGBTQ, quick commercial. If you look at the facts and you look at the numbers, the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge mm. and the truth will set you free. Abortions. We have over a million babies dying every year. That is an atrocity. That's more than we lost in a war. That's more than any uh, social injustice. And God cares about the babies. But the problem is we're so complacent in America mm. because we become so watered down with it and we think that it's not a big deal. And God is saying it is a big deal. And so he's raising up Elijah's and Elijah's who are going to say, look, it is a big deal. You see, we see with this coronavirus, God allowed that to come. Well, how do you know that, Brother Marcus? Well, the Bible says that all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. All things, everything. And God wants to be involved in every aspect and area of your life. This is why the Bible says, acknowledge God in all of your ways and he will direct your path. All of them, the way that you vote, the way that mm. you, you, you want to work, the way that you want to move, all of them. He says, I'll direct your path. So that shows me right there that God cares about the details. And so we've gotten to the point in American Christianity where we want to come to church, we want to drink our little coffees, we want to do two little songs and hear a motivational message, come something on, that makes us feel good. And God is saying, there's a battle going on. There's a war going on. I was saying it today, bro. Like, I'm sick of these people. I've been doing Facebook for a long time. And these guys, for 10, 9, 8 years, it's the same kind of post. It's the same kind of message. But we're not in the same kind of climate. Come we're on. not in the same climate we were in in 2010 and 2011. So how is the message not changed if when I read the Bible and I look throughout the Bible, the prophets always addressed and spoke what was going on with the nations, what was going on with the kings, what was going on with the children of Israel. And then you sit there and you have all these titles and you claim to be a Come mouthpiece on, of God, but you have nothing. Bro, how is it that there's all these prophets? But nobody saw these things coming. Come on. But, but everybody's prophesying in the church about cars and, and you're going to get a house. God is not pleased with that stuff. So he allowed the coronavirus to come. Yes, he did. And some people don't believe that. The Bible says that he sent a tormenting spirit to Saul. The Bible says that if they don't love the truth, God will send a strong delusion. So sometimes God will allow certain things to happen. He sent the Assyrians. He sent the Babylonians. And so people, you know, another thing I say, they say, well, you know, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics and stuff like that. But guess what? You know why Daniel was thrown in the lion's den? Because of politics. Somebody got in the king's ear and they said, hey, pass this legislation so we can throw Daniel in the lion's den. Same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They got in the king's ear to pass legislation and said, if these guys don't bow down, give us permission to throw them in the fire. Same thing with Esther, Haman, and Mordecai. So you better wake up and realize the Bible says the spirit of the Antichrist is already moving in the earth. And there are people that are open to that spirit and they're trying to come against the church and they're trying to do it in a slick way. And the church is sitting here sleeping. So God allowed the coronavirus to come in and shake everything up so you can get your attention and say, say, man, I, I got to pray. I got to get a real prayer life. Maybe I need to start fasting on, because there's 
a spiritual warfare that is going on. You better realize that just like in the Bible time, there was always people that tried to come against the people of God. There are people in America right now that hate Jesus Christ. They hate Christians. They hate anything that has anything to do with God. And they feel that they are doing the world a service by trying to come against Christianity. But guess what? They might not even know what spirit is influencing them. I'm telling you, we are warring against the spirit of the Antichrist. Ephesians says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put the whole armor of God. Let me tell you something. Isaiah Ooh. said that you're not supposed to sit on the sideline. If he's telling you to put on the whole armor, that means you got to get in the fight. He didn't put, he didn't tell you to put the armor on for you to sit on the sideline and just watch. He says, so that you be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We've got people in America trying to get into positions in high places. When Daniel was praying in Daniel chapter 10, he was praying and an angel immediately was on the way. But the angel said, man, Daniel, I was on my way, but I got held up because I had to fight the prince of the area. Let me tell you something. When you pray, when you worship, when you open your mouth, when we preach, when we fast, there is a war that is Come going on. on in the heavenlies. I was reading today when Elisha said, open his eyes so that we can see. And when God opened his eyes, the enemy was all around and it was looking kind of bad. The situation wasn't looking good, but when his eyes opened, he saw greater is he that is with us than he that is in the world. And I'm here to tell you right now that if you are on this live stream, this is not an accident. This is not a mistake. God is calling his warriors. God is calling his soldiers. God is looking for somebody like Moses who will go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. They don't belong in Egypt. They don't belong in the land of addiction. They don't belong in the land of depression. They don't belong in the land of fear no more. And I'm coming with the word in my mouth. And the word is from God. And the Bible says, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. If you would just open up your mouth, you would see chains fall. If you would just open up your mouth. Oh, man, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Let me tell you something. Because some of you guys, you know what you're saying? Oh, no, no, no. That's not me. That's that's just for Isaiah. That's just that's for just on, Brother Marcus. Marcus. But the Bible says, the Bible that I read, Isaiah says, and these signs shall follow. Follow them that believe in my name. Come devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up servants and if they drink any deadly thing it will not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So you gotta put your armor on. And if you are a believer, it doesn't say Isaiah. It doesn't say the black church. It doesn't say just Brother Marcus. It doesn't say just the white church. It doesn't say a denomination. It says these signs will follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to give it back to Brother Isaiah. You've got a part to play in this. Come thing. on, Marcus. So look at this. this is how we're going to have revival. Come on. This empty cup right here. And God has given each of you talents and gifts and abilities. And you've got testimonies. And he's given us his Holy Spirit. Now, here's the problem. You got some people that are on the front line, like Gideon and Caleb, and they're ready to go. And they're pouring out, and they're doing their part. 
but they can only do so on, much. But me and Isaiah can only go so far. That's why the Bible says one should put a thousand in flight and two should put 10,000 in flight. And so some of you have been sitting on the sideline and you've got something to offer, but condemnation has kept you from pouring it out. Condemnation has kept you from pouring it out. The spirit of religion has kept, you don't feel like you're good enough. You don't feel like you're worthy, but God is saying, I shaped you. I created you with purpose and I need you to do your part and begin to pour. And the more that all of us come, what does the Bible says? It says that the apostles were gathered on one accord in the upper room. See, the problem is we think, oh, it's just supposed to be the pastor. Oh, it's just supposed to be Isaiah Say and it. Marcus. But when everybody begins to pour and do their part, now we're starting to fill this thing up and then it's going to overflow and that water is going to spread in every single direction. But that's not going to happen until all of us get to pouring. And so here's the problem. We've only got a few people pouring and we've got too many spectators. That's wow. why when you go to church, the worship leader is up there worshiping and they're pouring out and people are just spectating and they're watching. That's why we're not seeing the real, if you go to Africa, man, everybody, they're worshiping. They're on one accord. He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst. But you know what the problem is? We're not gathering in his name. We're gathering like it's a social club. We're gathering because we want in the name of entertainment. We're gathering and oh, make me feel good. But if we gather in his name, he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You know why God shut some of these churches down? It's because you're lifting up everything but Jesus. And because, because you're lifting up other things, that's why we don't have unity in the body of Christ. That's why we still have black churches and white churches and all this racial divide. Because he said, if I be lifted up, I'm going to draw everybody. The spirit of God doesn't discriminate. Oh, man. My brothers, my sisters, if you're watching this stream tonight, and you're a believer, God has put something inside of you, all right, that you've got to pour out. And don't think that it's just a little thing. God has given everyone a measure of faith. And I'm going to show you this last thing, and I'm going to give it back to Isaiah. I got my daughter's piano right here, right? And so watch this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this real quick. So I got one key, right? And I got that one key right here that's playing. Hold on, I got that little demo going on. Well, here's the thing. I got that one key, right? And it goes bing, 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 bing. And it makes that one sound all by itself, right? And so I can keep hitting that key and it's going to keep giving me that one sound. But when a couple of keys come together, all right, we get a chord. So you got the one key and that's you. Wow. And some people are just doing their own thing. But then when we come together, you get a melody, right? And then you got other instruments that come in and you get a song. The problem is we've got too many people wow. just doing that. And God is trying to just get this melody going. But every key has to be pressed. The key surrenders to my finger. When I put my finger on the key and I press it, a sound comes out. Why is it that God can put his finger on you? He's put his fingerprint on you and no sound is coming out. No worship is coming wow. out. No, wow. is coming, no praise is coming out. No gifts are coming out. But all of us say that we're saved and, and we're believers and we have a relationship with him.
Marcus, you know, when you say that, bro, I, I thought about Jesus saying that when a demon comes out, it's by the finger of God. Deliverance is God putting his finger on you and he's getting you free and tonight setting you free so that you can shout, so that you can praise, so that you can minister. How long are you going to live your life? It really does come to a place, Marcus, we have to say, I'm tired of living my life, producing no fruit, seeing no deliverances. And what do we do? We live our life through a man of God. We have this cult personality worship up and we go well my pastor prays for the sick well my pastor drives out demons well my pastor preaches the gospel but know this that you'll never be eternally satisfied drinking from your pastor's well when you have access to god's well you have access to the river of god and you're drinking out of polluted waters you're waiting on the man of god to pray for you the man of god you know i'm i'm so blown away by all of you and i'm not trying to be rude when i say this but so many of you think that isaiah has to deliver me Isaiah has to lay hands on me I love praying with you I love meeting you after service but I'm trying to train you up so that you'll stop with this personality worship and realize God wants to use you when the woman in Luke 13 had demons Jesus says does she not deserve to be loosed religion preached her into bondage religion said come to church stay in bondage live in bondage and Jesus says I'm raising people up that are going to set the captives free we're all going to get to heaven one day and realize we had access to do deliverance. We had access to pray for the sick. We had access to prophesy. And guys, listen, here's the reality. There's nobody in heaven that needs deliverance. There's nobody in heaven that needs a prophetic word. There's nobody in heaven that needs healing. Now is the time. This is your moment to do it. Christianity without the supernatural signs and wonders. Guys, I believe one of the greatest hindrances to revival is personality cult worship. Is this worship of a pastor, worship of a leader, Pastors go, we don't know what to do if you don't come hear us preach. We don't know what to do if you don't follow our page. We don't know what to do if you don't like our stuff. I know what we're going to do. We're going to go make disciples. We're not going to live our lives depending on a man or woman of God. When God says, you have access to go to the mountain, we're not your Moses. Stop waiting on Isaiah and Marcus to climb the mountain for you and say, I'm going to break out of whatever's hindering me and whatever's stopping me. There's Now listen, when we say revival, we're talking about the spirit moving in our everyday life God wants to move in your everyday life revival is not for a once a week it's not for a once a year it's not for some event that we go to God wants to move and one of the words Marcus I haven't really shared this yet but I felt like God has been speaking to me about his church is that God is raising up spiritual snipers right now I alluded to some of this but I've been getting this word over and over and over and over I haven't really shared it that God says I'm raising up spiritual snipers I started studying I started researching what are what are the actual attributes of a sniper and the first thing I realized and you were in the army so you can go on way deeper than I can is that snipers are disciplined snipers are not lazy listen there's a lot of you in the chat right now this is the bottom line reality and I can say this because it's our stream you're lazy you don't pray you don't read the bible you don't fast you don't crowd to God you don't invest your time your energy your effort your passion into the things of God and you wonder why you're not effective God says I want to raise up snipers I want to raise up soldiers I want to raise up sons and daughters that are going to be disciplined that are going to actually open up the Bible when they don't feel like it friend you know what discipline is discipline says when I don't feel it I'm going to do it when my flesh doesn't want to shout I'm going to shout when my flesh doesn't want to worship I'm going to worship when my flesh doesn't want to pray I'm going to pray I'm going to tell my flesh to shut up I'm not going to 
going to listen to my flesh. You know, there's many times, Marcus, where I, I know you feel the same way. I don't feel like getting on here and preaching. I don't feel like getting on before everybody and shouting. But you know what? I tell my flesh to shut up. I discipline. But Paul says, I beat my body up. Paul says, I stay up all night just to crucify my flesh, just to show my body and to beat up my body who's boss. And now we have a bunch of preachers like, oh, make sure you get eight hours of sleep. Make sure that you're healthy. Make sure that you eat right. Make sure that you work out proper. And God is saying, I'm looking for some people. I know we're going to sound crazy. I don't care. I'm looking for some people that are going to beat their bodies up, that are going to beat their schedules up, that are going to begin to get disciplined and say, Lord, I want to be a spiritual sniper. I want to be a special forces for your honor, for your glory. Isaiah, what's all the yelling for? Some of you have never obviously seen a war documentary. Some of you have obviously never heard of boot camp. Some of you have obviously, why do you have to yell at us? Have you ever seen a drill sergeant? I was watching a documentary, Marcus. They were training up Navy SEALs and they were training up special forces. And this guy broke his leg in the documentary and, and he had a one a 25 mile hike to finish the, the course. It was a year long course and he had 25 miles left. With a broken leg, the drill sergeant or whoever he was, was yelling at the guy and the guy walked with 180 pounds of gear for 25 miles with a broken leg. Well, after they interviewed the guy, they said, why were you so angry? You were so relentless. You were yelling. Why were you doing that when it was just a drill? He said, because the reason why we're yelling, the reason why we're training this way, the reason why we're not worried about being nice to them. Some of you are concerned, my pastor's not nice and he's yelling. He said, because there's a real battle. This is what he said. On the outside of this drill, this camp that we're doing, there's a real battle going on and we're training them to understand that if they don't take it serious here, they're not going to take it serious out there. And some of you are undisciplined and you don't take the preaching serious you don't take the gospel serious you don't take fasting serious you don't take prayer serious and god says i'm looking for you to be disciplined because there is an invisible war right now as we're preaching as we're praying there's an unseen battle right now there's a war breaking out in the spirit and there are demonic forces that don't want you to hear what we're telling you they don't want you to be disciplined that is why you can sit for four hours and watch The Office on Netflix, watch a half a season or whatever, however many episodes are, and not even be phased by it, not even miss a beat. But guess what happens five minutes into prayer? Guess what happens 30 minutes into fasting? Guess what happens 30 minutes into crying out to God? Guess what happens the moment you start hearing about deliverance? You start freaking out, lose your attention, can't pray for because the enemy is assaulting us at every single angle. And I'm sad, bro, that there's not enough pastors that are training up the church to fight the battle and we're becoming POWs. I'm telling you, God's been showing me this. There are so many tonight prisoners of war right now that are in bondage in the enemy's camp and you come to church on Sunday with your ball and chain and wonder why you can't shout wonder why you can't praise wonder why you're not excited and God keeps shouting and saying I want to break the shackles I want to break the chains I want to deliver you tonight but you need to begin to get disciplined I believe man this is an attribute that this is a great hindrance is the undisciplined life we have to get disciplined this whole idea man that I'm just going to wait until gold dust falls on me I'm just going to wait until there's 50 feathers under my pillow when I wake up and then I'll start prophesying and then I'll start doing deliverance and then I'll start praying. You know what the Lord is saying to you right now? There's almost 2,000 of you watching live. Now is the day right now. This very moment, the trumpet is sounding. Well, my, I don't, honestly, I, I don't care about what your pastor says. I don't care. Well, my pastor doesn't believe in it. I don't care what your pastor believes in. I'm telling you what the word of God says. Your pastor does not supersede God's word. If God says, Mark 16, 17, 
These signs, Marcus just said it, will follow them that believe. I don't care if your mamsy pamsy pacifier coward pastor says you shouldn't cast demons out of people. That's only for clergy. That's not what Jesus said. And we need to stop worshiping, bowing down before men. You want to know hindrances? It's called men. Bowing down before men. They make you kiss their ring when you're in their presence. And God is saying, I'm looking for some leaders that would wash feet. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm not, I'm not reading notes, guys. I'm looking for some leaders that would get low, that would humble themselves, that would get on their face. There's so many times where I'm about to get up and preach, and the Lord says, Isaiah, get on your face now and humble yourself before me. Submit yourself. Where is that type of discipline? When is the last time, and I'm preaching to you listening right now, when is the last time you got in your face and you say, Lord, I'm humbling myself. I'm tired of being the God of my life. You want to know why God's not on the throne of your life? Because you are already on the throne. You want to know why you're not full of the Holy Ghost? Because you're already filled with yourself. And God is trying to humble us right now. God is, I believe the same thing. God has allowed this right now, this global pandemic. God is shaking the earth. The Bible says the earth is groaning. Be like, what is all this going on? It's labor pains. The same way my, my wife was screaming in that room saying, I'm having contractions. Call the doctor, call the nurse. God is saying, call the prophets. The earth is in labor. The earth is birthing. The earth is contracting. There are contractions. Corona is a contraction. And why are we trying to do business as usual? Why are we still having our dull sermons? Why are we still going on Sermon Central. I know there's a lot of pastors coming. You're trying to hide in there. You don't want to chat because you don't want us to know you're here. God is saying, get off of Sermon Central, get out of the green room and get into the upper room, get a word from God and start training your church. And I'm going to say this last thing. You are going to stand on judgment day, according to the apostle Paul, who says, if we preach the word, there's a higher standard for us. That's why we don't get on here and start telling you jokes and giving you a little cappuccino coffee shop preaching. Like a lot of these preachers, you're going to stand before God and God is going to say, why didn't you train your people the devil roars he's the adversary the enemy of your soul is prowling trying to be pretending to be a lion prowling and god is saying why did you just not train them why did you change diapers instead of giving them a sniper rifle why did you give them a pacifier why did you not equip your people and bro i'm telling you i know you've been preaching on this you've been calling people to spiritual warfare you've been exposing the devil's camp the devil's kingdom god is speaking to those that have ears let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Tonight, the Spirit is saying, get disciplined and begin to get serious about what God is saying to the body of Christ. You know, what you're saying is so serious. And, and I'm, I'm going to hit this real quick, but go back to the sniper rifle thing. A lot of people who operate in gifts and things like that, they want to be worshipped. Mm. And that's why they don't want to teach nobody. They don't want to train nobody. They want to be the most, looking the most powerful, looking the most deep. And God's going to deal with you. I'm going to tell you right now, you better humble yourself. God is going to deal with you. And, and, and you better search your heart, man, because people start getting puffed up. Because you could, you could be messing around, running around like Saul. And guess what? Saul still had some authority. He was still the king, but he was fired. He could still run around and tell people. You could still go cast devils out. The Bible says, man, in the end, people are going to say, God, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew wow. you. And I, I heard my, my, one of my bros preach this, man. When you look up the definition of that word, knew what it really means. So there's different kinds of knowledge, right? God knows everything the Bible says. He, so what does that mean? If he says, I never knew you, but we know that God knows everything, what does that really mean? Well, when you look at that word and you break it down, it's pretty much imagine this, that you are sitting in a restaurant with all your friends and you're eating, you're having a good time and you're laughing, right? 
And I'll say Isaiah, he's in a restaurant, he's eating. I can see him from outside of the restaurant and it looks like he's having a great time. It looks like the food is super delicious, but I'm on the outside looking wow. in. So I know that he's eating, but I don't have the intimacy of actually being inside to be in it where I know it from a different way. I can report to you, yeah, they're eating and it looks like a good time, but I can't tell you what the conversation is because I'm on the outside looking in. And so that that's a thing right there. You got to ask yourself, man, do I really have a relationship? God wants to pour some things in us, but some of us are too full of ourselves and what we want to do. And he's like, look, I want to pour some in you, but you got to empty yourself out. You got to come and kneel before the throne. You got to kneel before the altar and take advantage of what Jesus did on the cross. When Jesus died, the veil was torn. We're not, ah, man, Isaiah come was on. talking about kissing the ring. We're not living in this place where we got to go wait for the high priest to go come into on. the holies of holies anymore. We've got access to go to the same place that the high priest was going and get a touch. But watch this. I want to go back to the sniper rifle thing. If you ever seen like, you know, sniper movies and things, they get that weapon and they get it tight and they get it close. And usually they got the scope and then they close that other Come eye. Come on, bro. Right? So they, they got one eye and the eye is focused on the scope. Now, if you look at the word die, it means two. And this is where you get division, two visions, right? And so the Bible says in Matthew 6, 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body mm. shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So the problem is we've got two different visions. We've got what we want to do. We got wow. what we feel. We got what we think about it. And, and we got to get to the place where we're saying, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is, and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And instead of praying about, oh, you know, this is what I feel, this is what I want, please do this. We got to get to the place where our vision is so focused on God, I want what you want. Well, you say, well, brother Marcus, how do I get there? Well, the other thing about snipers, they're usually in a high position, come on. right? And Moses had to climb the mountain. He had to get high, right? And so for, for you, you got to get into that place where not these patty cakes weak prayers when is the last time you actually prayed past your flesh mm. when is the last time you prayed past, past the place where you felt comfortable and so then god takes you to a high place and now from this high place i can see the enemy and guess what a sniper can take the enemy out from distance and the enemy don't even know what hit him for some of us yes sometimes we're gonna have to go face goliath straight up and guess what? God wants that. And he and he don't want you to put on the armor of people's opinions and what they had in mind. God wanted David naked fighting Goliath. Why? Because he wanted there to be a chance that when David went out there, he would get hit with the sword or he would get hit with the spear. So so he wanted that vulnerability. That is what God is looking for. So sometimes he's going to take you up high and you're going to take the enemy out. You're not going to know what happens. And then other times you got to go to that place where you just completely get naked. And that's true intimacy. And that's the problem going back to what Isaiah was talking about is that we're living off of somebody else's anointing. We're living off of somebody else's consecration. A lot of preachers are copy and paste and message. I Come see the on. same preacher in the same message that I, I already know who you got that message Come from. On. 
that God can't give the same uh, revelation to other people because there's one spirit. But the problem is you see people fake in the font. If you got the spirit, you can tell. So so you don't want that secondhand high. You know, people be smoking and people get a contact high. You want direct contact. And so we see in the Bible, Adam and Eve were naked in the garden and they had direct contact, direct contact with the presence. They were talking with God openly. And then we had, uh, I believe it was Moses. He said, take off the shoes for the place you stand. It's holy ground. So take that off, all right, and come into direct contact. Take off your feelings. Take off your emotions. Take off your religion. Take off what you think you had in mind and get into direct contact with my presence. Adam and Eve, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Wasn't good enough. Then you look at David. He danced until he got naked. Sometimes, you know, praise and worship. Sometimes you're going to come to the altar and you're going to get naked by casting off your uh, your burdens and your cares and repenting and saying, Lord, I'm letting this go. But sometimes in praise and worship, I'm going to dance until I feel something come, come off me. I'm going to wave my hands till I feel the heaviness come off me. I'm going to shout the name of Jesus until I feel something come off me. I'm going to get naked. I'm not going to worry about what everybody else thinks and what they've got to say. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get vulnerable. And then guess what? Then comes Jesus and they strip him naked and they they put him on a cross. Why? Nobody see. Nobody could could make Jesus do anything. He could have stopped it at any point. But he said, "I'm going to let you strip me naked because I'm going to lead by example and show you how to do it." It's time to get naked. Another reason why we can't have revival is because people won't take their religious, self righteous, holy robes off. You want to look like you've always had it together. You want to look like you've never struggled, and you want to look like it's because I'm just such a good person. That's why. I'm casting out devils. I'm such a good person. That's why I got this position. But if all of us, all of us need the grace of God, and if you can acknowledge that you need the grace of God, if you can walk in that humility and then be vulnerable with people and allow them to see your nakedness, that's when we'll have revival. That's why Brother Marcus has no problem saying, yes, I used to commit adultery. Yes, I used to commit fornication. Yes, I used to because I don't care because if God has forgiven me, the Bible says he's Remove my sin as far as the east is from the west. Never let anybody uh, hold your past against you to the point where you don't pour out. The Bible says there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You have the liberty to come into his presence, to boldly come, become uh, for the throne of grace, and to be free. So don't let religious people in their fake clothes and their fake outfits and their self-righteous attitudes um, hold you back. And I'm going to say one more thing, Isaiah, that God showed me the so other day. Good. God is calling the tribes home. In the beginning, they had the 12 tribes that came together, and that was the promise that Abraham manifested, right? And then 10 of the tribes were lost. And God showed me this the other day, and I preach it. And two tribes were left. And the tribe was Judah, and the tribe, uh, and then you had, uh, you had Judah and Benjamin, okay? But watch this. The Levites never, ever, ever were given land. The Levites were scattered among the whole 12. So watch, when the when the Assyrians came and they started capturing these 10 different tribes, the tribes that survived was the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, and the Levites, because they never had land, they were scattered. So what are the Levites? Well, Moses and Aaron and Samuel, and I believe most of the prophets came from the tribe of Levi, mm. if you study it. 
and the Levites were the priests. The Levites were the mouthpiece to the people of God. So what that is saying is God will always have a mouthpiece. Come he on. will always have a voice among his people. People say, oh, I don't need a pastor. I don't need a man of God. In the Bible, he all he had the Levites scattered through every tribe. So you can be the black tribe. You can be the white tribe. You can be the poor tribe. You can be the tribe of California. But there always is a voice. There always is a man of God speaking what thus saith the Lord. And so the tribe of Levi survived. And then the tribe of Judah, many people are familiar. And the tribe of Judah had a thing of surviving. David came from the tribe of Judah. Daniel came from the tribe of Judah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came to the tribe of Judah. So they survived the fire. David survived Goliath. And then um, Daniel survived the lion's den. And, and what does Judah mean? Praise. My praise mm. got to survive the fire. My praise got to survive the lion's den. My praise got to survive Goliath. My praise got to survive 2020. My praise got to survive coronavirus. No matter what happens, if the Assyrian comes, Judah will survive. My praise ain't going nowhere. My worship is not dictated by my circumstances. And then you have the tribe of Benjamin. And so you look at who came from the tribe of Benjamin, two familiar people. You had King Saul and you have the apostle Saul who later turned Paul. Well, what did those guys have in common? They both had position, okay, mm. high positions, but then they were missing something. King Saul messed it up. He had the position, but he was fired and didn't know it. Uh, Saul, he had all that knowledge. He was in the, the tabernacle with the Pharisees teaching, but he was missing something. And that was the presence of God. So watch this. These three tribes survived and Judah got assimilated. Uh, I mean, the tribe of Benjamin got assimilated by Judah, right? So Judah took the tribe of Benjamin in and they became one nation. And that's where the capital was. That's where the temple was put up. And so watch this. If you look up what Benjamin means, it means son of my right hand, son of righteousness. And Judah means praise. Watch this. Son of my right hand, son of righteousness. Jesus sits at the right hand of the father. He said, I inhabit the praises of my people. Come on. So the son of righteousness was taken in by Judah. And that's where they put the temple. And he says, I'm going to inhabit this place. So the three things that survive, God always has a voice. He always has a man or a woman of God declaring the way. And then your responsibility, my brothers and sisters, is to continue to praise and seek the presence of God. And he says, if you have those things, I will come and I will inhabit this place. And when God inhabits the place, something has to change. Something has to move. That's why the enemy is trying to shut our mouth. He's trying to cover the preacher's mouth. And I heard somebody say this is the year of the mouth or something like that. And, and he, they're trying to cover the preacher's mouth. And then the enemy's trying to cover your mouth so you don't praise and worship. This is why the Bible says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. So why we can't have revival is because some of our mouths are shut mm. and we're bound. We won't worship and we won't speak and we won't testify and we won't preach. And, we, and when we do speak, it's not what God says. It's something that we conjure up in our own imaginations and our ideologies have become an idol that need to be cast down. So good. I love what you said about putting yourself in a position like the snipers put themselves in position because a lot of people, what I've seen in been in, I've been, listen, I got saved radically from being an atheist. I always say atheist to revivalist in one minute, but I was radically saved, went from not knowing what the move of God was to being in revival. And I think a lot of people don't realize that for God to do what he wants to do, you have to put yourself in the right position. Some of you are out of 
of alignment, you're out of position. It's like walking by a broken down vending machine that literally says out of order on the machine. And then no one in the in the right mind is going to put money or invest in a machine that says out of order. And there's so many of us going, God, why won't you pour out in us? And God says, why would I pour out and invest in you when you're out of order, when your life is out of alignment, when we know we have access, Marcus, to the spirit of God, the veil's been torn, the temple was destroyed. Jesus said, you have it full access to dwell in my presence. Now we all shout about that. We get excited about that. We yell and say, yeah, that's awesome. But the proof is that you don't believe it is you don't enter his presence. The proof that you don't believe it is you don't dwell in his spirit. You don't pray. You don't fast. We don't cry out to God. I mean, let's think about this. And this is getting real in the last week. How much time now you might, Oh, this is legalism. Listen, you're lukewarm. If you think this is legalism, that's the bottom line to the lukewarm. This actually is legalism to those that are sons and daughters of God. This is freedom. This is deliverance. This is breakthrough. But ask yourself, how much time have I spent in the presence of God? Because the Bible says to work, to prove you're among those God has called and chose. Jesus said to strive, which means to work hard, to enter through the narrow gate. So this whole lazy um, babysitter club Christianity is not biblical. We're talking about Jesus saying, I want you to think about in the last week, have I spent time in the presence of God? And for most of us, we spent no time. Did we spend hours watching TV? Yes. Did we spend hours on Instagram? Yes. Did we spend hours on Facebook? Yes. Did we spend hours on social media? Yes. Do we spend hours planning our vacation? But Jesus goes, what time have you spent with me? When have you asked me saying, Lord, I need your presence. I need your power. This is a great hindrance is the pleasures of life. I think oftentimes when we talk about the hindrances of revival, we think about drugs. We think about sex. We think about women. We think about uh, relationships. We think about, you know, all these things, but we don't realize the greatest biblical hindrance to the move of God to revival. What we're talking about tonight in your life is the pleasures of life. Paul told Timothy this. He said, Timothy, good soldiers describing what you are, if you're a believer, you're a soldier, do not get entangled or entrapped or tied up with the with the civilian life, with the cares and the affairs of civilian life. Now, what is civilian life for all you new people? It's anything you do outside of the war. So anything you're doing outside of warfare is civilian life. And Paul said, listen, you shouldn't be getting tangled up. You shouldn't be finding pleasure. You shouldn't be finding satisfaction in things that are not spiritual, that are not warfare, that are not advancing God's kingdom. I don't understand why we wait. We're reactive and the enemy's proactive. When God says spiritual snipers are proactive, they move ahead of the enemy. When the enemy arrives, the sniper's already up on the mountain waiting for them to arrive. Guys, God is raising up a church. I'm preaching to somebody that's going to be proactive. I'm not going to wait around for the devil to come in and rob my marriage and rob my kids. I'm going to go and do warfare against the enemy. I'm going to be proactive against the enemy's kingdom. Look at the Bible. God was proactive against the enemies. He didn't say, well, Moses, I want you to wait for the enemy to attack you. He didn't say, well, get in, wait for the enemy to attack you, and then I'll attack him back. He said, go up into the enemy's camp, be quiet, silent like a sniper, get up on the mountaintop, surround them, get an advantage over them. But say, Isaiah, why do you keep preaching on Leviathan and Jezebel and spiritual warfare? And I know you guys, some of you are just so soft and you're just in the babysitter's club. You don't want to hear about it. But listen, I'm preaching about 
about it so that you'll finally have an advantage over the enemy. How many years, think about this, have you sat in church and been under the enemy's power and the enemy has had an advantage over you? Now, the Bible says if you don't know the strategies of the enemy, the enemy has an advantage over you. That's what your Bible says. It says if you let the sun go down on your anger, the enemy has an advantage over you. And I'm telling you, snipers are advantageous. They find an advantageous spot to give themselves a position over the enemy. I'm positioning my life to be over the enemy. I'm not under. We're above and not beneath. We're the lender, not the borrower. We're the head. We're not the tail. When the Bible speaks about being under the curse, when you're under the curse, you're the borrower. When you're under the curse, you're the follower. When you're under the curse, you're not the head, you're the tail. I'm not the tail. I'm not following what culture is doing. I'm not following what the American church is doing. If I was, I would have backslidden 10 years ago. I am following the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Paul said, if I wanted to be a uh, someone that was accepted among the religious, I would never be a believer. He says, listen, stop getting entangled in the pleasures of life. It should be a struggle. And I want you to write this down for you to find pleasure in the things the world finds pleasure in. You should literally go to the movies and struggle to find pleasure at the movie theaters. And now y'all don't want to hear this. Some of you look at this 1800 view. It's going to go down to like 1500 right here. You should, you should struggle <laughs> to find pleasure sitting for four hours in front of Netflix. You should literally struggle. You should have to force yourself to go to the concert. I, I go to these things. I'm like, I'm so bored. I'm so bored of the movies. I think I've been to one movie and it was like the risen movie in the last 10 years. I'm not being legalistic. I'm telling you, I don't not drink or go to movies because I don't I'm not allowed to I don't go because I don't want to I've already found what I've been looking for John the Baptist said so we should keep looking or are you the one guys the search is over I found the pearl of great price I found this man at the well that said listen honey you can keep coming back to these empty wells the world offers you and drawing up temporary water or you can draw from my rivers of living water I feel the Holy Ghost God is saying stop drawing from empty waters Stop looking in the pleasure. I say, I don't know why I'm miserable. Because you're living your life for the realm that you can see. You're living your life for the pleasures of this world. The Bible says in Matthew 13, 22, that the seed, I'm going to toss it over back in a minute. I know I'm rambling here, but the seed gets choked out by the riches, cares, and pleasures of this life. Does Jesus say the riches get cared, care, um, choked out by a demon? Does he say they get choked out by a pastor? Does he say they get choked out? No, he says, you want to know what chokes out the seed? Your job. You want to know what chokes out the seed? Your nine to five. You want to know what chokes out your seed? Your Friday night at the movies, your little tradition, your little Disneyland vacation, your demon land vacation that you have to go on once a year. He says, it's those things that choke out the revival, that kill what God is trying to produce in you. Luke 14 says, they all begin to make excuses saying, I just bought a field. I can't come to the banquet. I just uh, got five oxen. I just got married. I can't come. And the Bible says God had to go, listen to this, Marcus, outside the church to find his remnant outside the church. Now people, Marcus, they're very excited about atheists getting saved. They're very excited about transgenders getting saved. They're very excited about movie stars getting saved. And I, I look at your page, man, you have massive amount of celebrities on your Instagram following you and they're getting saved and delivered through your stuff. I think it's amazing. And everyone shouts and goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what the church doesn't understand. When God, and I say this with the fear of the Lord, when God raises up atheists, drug addicts and gang members it's because it's a sign that he's already overlooked the church he came to his own and the bible says they didn't accept the wedding invitation because they said we we have property we just bought a new house we just bought a new car which is the oxen we just got married and it's the pleasures of life that stopped them from the move of god that hindered the move of god and i'm telling you right now 
You can't stop this. God is raising up misfits right now. God is raising up the unqualified. He's raising up the uneducated. He's raising up the unlikely. He's raising up the overlooked. He's raising up the rejects and the underappreciated. If you're brand new, you say, Isaiah, we just found you or Marcus on YouTube a month ago. I just got saved. I've been saved one month. I've never been to church. Well, welcome to the army. We're drafting you. We are enlisting you. You are signing your life into this army. You are the ones that God is calling and I'm telling you for a hundred years God's called his church and they've been satisfied kicking around with their Dora Explorer floaties in the kiddie pool of Christianity when God says I'm calling you to go deeper the misfits are rising up the atheists are rising up God is saving them God is delivering them I think and I'm gonna leave it on this and flip it over to you I think this is the problem Marcus we have forgotten that this world is not our home Friend, this is not my home. I am not an American. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I am a citizen of Almighty God. I'm in a kingdom that can't be shaken, that can't be moved, that can't be done away with. God's word, the Bible says, when the grass withers, when politics wither, his word is going to remain. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a so sojourner. I'm just passing through. You know, when I get to my hotel, Marcus, I don't try to decorate my hotel room. I don't say, oh, let's put pictures up. Let's go buy a new bed at Ikea. Why do I not decorate my hotel room? Because I'm only going to be here, baby, for three days and I'm packing up my stuff and I'm going back home. And friend, I came to tell somebody that this world is not your home, that this world is not your dwelling place, that your world is in heaven, that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Friend, you are not below demonic powers. You are above demonic powers. Remember, the enemy rules from the second heaven. But guess what the Bible says? that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You know what that means? The demons are on the second heaven, Europe in the third heaven, seated with Christ. That your spirit man is right now next to the throne of God and you're calling shots. That's why he said, Peter, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in the heavenly dimension. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in the heavenly dimension. Why? Because you are a king's kid. You've been called and ordained a man from an another planet, an invisible realm has anointed you. You are just passing through. Why? Why are you so comfortable in this world? Why are you so comfortable with the pleasures of life? I can care less. People say, oh, well, you're gonna, your kids are going to miss out. I want my kids to miss out. Well, if your kids don't do this, they're not going to be normal. I don't want my kids to be normal. Do you know my prayer for my kids? Don't let them be normal. Let them miss out. I want them to have the most boring testimony you've ever heard. I want them to say, I've never been depressed. I never dealt with drug addiction. Stop living normal. It's the pleasures of life that choke out revival. I know I'm going long here, but I'm telling you guys, it's time to turn away from worldly pleasures and to find true pleasure and to get in the presence of God. That's true pleasure, friend. That's true desire. Uh, listen, Marcus, me, we both did everything, friend, and I found what I've been looking for. When I found him, I don't want to drink. I don't want to fornicate. I don't want to watch pornography. I don't want to smoke. If God said tomorrow, which he never would, but let me just pretend, Isaiah, you can smoke, you can do drugs, you can drink, you can do whatever you want and I'll be fine with it. I wouldn't do any of them. You want to know why? Because I've already found what I was looking for and I don't need to look any further. Friend, I came to tell somebody that the search is over. He's the man that you've been looking for. He's the man, Marcus, if you want to jump back in his phone, might have died here. He's the man that you've been looking for. He's the one that has called you, that has anointed you and God is doing it right now. Look at that. We just did that without a hitch there and God's calling you. It's time to choke out the pleasures before the pleasures choke you out. Go ahead, bro. I know you're just, you're burning right now. Come on, bro. Nah, nah, bro. I'm still stuck on the sniper rifle thing. So I'm, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna flow with that for Come a minute, on. man. I've been in the world 
I've been robbed. I've had so many guns in my faces, whether it was being in the military or just in the streets of Chicago. I've been robbed a couple of times. The thing that makes a gun scary is not the gun. It's the bullets in the gun. Come on. And what's happening right now, watch this. He just gave this to me while you, while you were uh, talking about it, Isaiah. It's so many people in church. You guys ever see those music videos? I know we got a lot of them in Chicago. You got like 20 gangbangers and they all got guns and they're, you know, they're flexing and they're brandishing the gun and they're putting the gun in the air and stuff like that, right? The Lord just spoke to me. He said, we're doing the same thing in the church. Mm. He said, we're coming to church on Sunday and we're putting the gun up and we're looking all tough and yeah, I'm bold and da-da. And he said, they don't got no bullets in the gun. Wow. And then he said, watch this. Watch what he watch what he showed me. He said, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The man look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You got that gun in the air talking about praise the Lord. I'm about it. I'm ready. I'll die for Jesus, but you're not living for him. And the Lord is looking and he sees the gun in the air and he says, That thing don't got no bullets. And so what does that what does that line up with? He said in Matthew 6, 11, 15, give us this day our daily bread. You overcome Satan with the word of God. Come so on. the bullets to my gun are the word of God. And guess what? The word of God isn't always about you're going to be blessed and you're going to be victorious. Sometimes the bullet to your gun is humble yourself. Sometimes mm. the bullet to your gun is go forgive that person. Sometimes the bullet to your gun is be a peacemaker. And you got to take that bullet and if you want to come against what the enemy is trying to do, if you want to step into the promised land, the Lord says, look, until you slay this giant in your life, all right, you cannot go forward. I cannot give you the crown till you slay the giant. And the only way to slay this giant is I'm giving you this bullet of forgiveness to fire at the enemy. You got to forgive your father. See, these things block mm. revival too. You got to forgive your father. You got to forgive your brother. How can you say that you love me, but you hate your brother? So we've got to take that bullet and load it up and come against division. And sometimes it's going to hurt to load that bullet uh, into that gun. But he says they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And now this one, this is just something to think about. I'm not saying this is the uh, exact interpretation, but I heard some crazy people said this and I was going to look into it. In Revelations, it says... Uh, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to the end, that means no matter what I'm going through every season, to the end, mm. to him will I give power over nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Some people have interpreted that, you know what I'm saying, as different things, but I heard somebody interpret it, uh, the rod of iron as a gun. You know what I'm saying? It's a rod of iron. Wow. And so just imagine that for a second. God has called you to be a sniper. And okay, maybe you've got the gun, right? But do you got the bullets? The bullets are the daily bread, which circles back around to what Isaiah brought up in the beginning. I got to get in the presence of God to get my daily bread. Because here in Matthew, they're saying, give us. They're asking God for the daily mm. bread. And even look at this in the Old Testament. When he gave out the manna, they still had to gather it. So faith without works is dead. If I sit in my tent watching Netflix and the manna is falling from heaven, but I don't get off my behind and go gather the manna, here's what's going to happen. The bullets were available to me, Isaiah, but I'm chilling in the tent. I'm doing my own thing. I'm content in my tent. I'm content in my tent. 
of laziness. I'm content in my tent of entertainment. And that's why you get mad when the preacher comes and he's telling you, hey, come out the tent. There's a war going on. You say, no, I'm content in my tent. I don't want to hear about the end times. I don't want to hear on. about what's going on in politics. I don't want to hear that there's a spirit of the Antichrist. I just want to sit in my tent and be saved. And, and I want to do just enough so that if I die, I go to heaven and not hell. But I don't want to serve in the army. I don't want to go to war. And here's the crazy thing. You're not exempt because mm. as soon as you gave your life to Christ, the enemy said, hey, you put on a uniform. I, you you can be in the tent and get slayed. He, uh, Isaiah was bringing it up about the story of Gideon. I was reading some other stories with the lepers and stuff like that when they went into the camp. You can get killed in the tent being unprepared. Mm. And so you're sitting there and the man is available to you, but you won't gather because guess what? Now, watch this. Isaiah is getting up in the morning and he's gathering the manna. He's gathering his daily bread. And so he gets on this video and he's firing some manna your way. When the enemy comes for Isaiah, just like when the enemy came for Satan, and Jesus overcame him with the word. I'm the bread of life. I'm the, the, the daily bread, right? So Isaiah is going to go boom, 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 boom. But if you've been living off of somebody else's manna, go ahead. And you have gathered your own, the enemy's going to come to your tent. And man, casual Christians will be casualties. Mm. If you've been laying around that tent, I'm telling you in love, this is not saying that I'm better than you. Because guess what, Brother Marcus, still to this day, I have these days. What I struggle with sometimes is I get so caught up in doing kingdom work that I'm studying the Bible, but I'm not sometimes reading it just to fellowship with God. I'm studying it because I got to do this sermon. I got to do this message. So even Brother Marcus gets to that place where, hold up, I just got to get into the presence of God and just rest and chill and gather. And sometimes you got to shut your mouth. We go pray to God and we talk and we talk and we talk. Sometimes this is why Brother Marcus likes to go to the woods. I enter his gates with thanksgiving. I enter his court with praise. I say a little repentance. I say, Lord, if you know, there's something that I missed this week, you know, I thank you for your grace. And then I sit there and I listen and I will sit there and I will sit there and I will sit there and he will speak. Sometimes God's not speaking because you're not waiting long enough. Mm. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. That's how you mount up with wings like eagles. But we don't want to wait. We'll wait. We'll wait on Netflix. We'll wait on a long YouTube video to load. We'll, some of you ladies are waiting for a guy to get right. And he ain't got right in two, three years, but you won't wait on the Lord. Wow. Come on, go ahead. You got it. <laughs> no, I think I think what you're saying is right on. I think another super big thing, and this goes along with the pleasures of life that really hinders you from experiencing the move of God in your life is treating God casually. And this is what is plagued the American church is that we treat God as if he's no big deal. And this amazes me, Marcus. We'll give everything else. Okay, you guys are getting me fired up tonight. So I'm just warning you here. I'm pulling the pin on the grenade. We give everything else attention. Everything else we go hard for. No one ever says, oh, you're too hard of a worker. No one ever says you're too smart. No one ever says you're too committed. The moment we start getting involved in spiritual warfare, the moment we start getting involved with God, you know what everyone says? Oh, you're just being too spiritual, brother. Oh, you're just being too radical, brother. You know what's funny? You know what blows my mind? If you went to your pastor and said, Pastor, I just got a brand new promotion. I'm going to be tithing more. I'm going to be, I got this better job and you know, this and this and I just learned this and I got a college degree. He's going to congratulate you. Oh, congratulations. You're such a hard worker. Congratulations.
congratulations, you're so smart. Oh, your kid got into Ivy League school. Oh, and he's going to cheer you on. Then what happens when you go to your pastor and say, man, I really want to have a prayer meeting, an extra prayer meeting. I really want to start casting out demons. I really want to start praying in the spirit. I really would love, is there any way, pastor, we could meet 30 minutes early? And you don't even have to be here, pastor. I'll open the church. And I just want to pray because I feel like we need to pray more. You know what your pastor's going to do? He's going to shut you down and say, oh, brother, now you're being too spiritual. Oh, wait a minute. A minute ago, I wasn't being too successful. I wasn't being too smart or too educated. But how is it? I'll tell you why. We treat God casual and we act like God is no big deal. Why is it? Ask yourself this. You want to talk about hindrances of revival? Why is it I give everything else, my complete energy, my complete focus, and God gets my leftovers? Now, you might say, well, where is this? This is a biblical concept in Malachi 1. The Bible says, and the Lord of the heavens army says this to the priests. So now picture this. This is God speaking to the pastors. He says this directly to the pastors, Marcus. A son honors his father and a servant has respect for his master. If I'm your father and your master, where is the honor and the respect that I deserve? You have shown contempt or you've shown complacency or casualness for my name. And then this is what he says. But you ask, how have we shown casualness? How have we shown contempt? How have we shown complacency? He says, you've shown it by your offerings that are defiled that you put on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled our sacrifices? Watch this. He says, you defiling them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no honor or respect when you give me blind and lame as animals, as sacrifices. He says, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer crippled, lame sacrifices and diseased animals before the Lord? And then he, this is what he says, watch this, Marcus. And this is how some people say, well, Jesus wasn't sarcastic. Well, you haven't read your Bible. If you don't think God is sarcastic, you have never read the Bible. He says this, try giving, this is word for word Malachi 1, try giving these gifts like this to your governor and see how pleased the governor is, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. In other words, he says this, you are so complacent, you are so pathetic, you give me sacrifices that cost you nothing, you give me 1% of your time, which is an hour on Sunday morning, if you didn't know, that's only 1% of your time, we have 168 hours in the week. He says, I want you to do something, do this. I want everyone in the chat, there's 1,700 of you watching, I want you to try to do this experiment this week, okay, and see how long you keep your job. I want you to work for your boss the way that you work for God. All week long, I dare you for one week, treat your boss the way you treat God and you would be fired. You wanna get fired? Treat your boss like you treat God in one day. He says, where's your work ethic? Where's your honor? Marcus, where's the reverence gone for the presence of God? Our God is holy. Where is this in the church? Why are we making God common? This might be the most important thing we could ever talk about, Marcus. Why have we made God profane and common in the church where God is just another side hustle? God is just another side chick. God is just, you know what God told the children of Israel? If you think I'm being um, profane here, he said, do you know what a professional prostitute could learn from you guys? God looked at his church and said, a prostitute that does this for a living could take notes from you guys because you're always sleeping with other lovers. You're treating me like I'm no big deal. But the Bible says there are seraphim 
that are around the throne day and night and they cry out holy 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 and God is looking for some spiritual snipers some warriors that would cry out God you are holy you are unlike any other God you are the uncreated being you are the one that was that is and is to come friend listen there is a Jewish man whether you like it or not coming back on a war horse to declare war against the nations of the world every secular satanic anti Christ government, which is all of them right now, God says, I'm about to get to declare war and I'm looking for an army that's going to rise up with me and rule the nations from my throne. Friend, I'm telling you, there is a government that is getting ready to be established on the earth. And so what is the shaking? The shaking is God saying, get up off your lazy tail, get ready for war, get trained for battle. I'm not going to be one of those Marcus on, on the day of the Lord's return where I'm running around scattered, not knowing what to do. The Bible says the righteous will be bold on judgment day. I'm going to stand bold and say, I was trained and I was equipped. I'm tired of being casual. It's time to remove casualness from the pulpits. Let me tell you where it's coming from. Now I'm going to turn it over to you. It's coming from our joke sermons. Marcus, what do we do? I remember, Marcus, I was at this massive youth event several years ago. I won't mention all the guys' names because most of them that were preaching have already been exposed and aren't even serving God to this day. Um, I, don't, I know all of you saw what's going on with Carl Lentz. He was one of the speakers, uh, just an example of the type of speakers at this event. And there was 5,000 young people. Now, the pastor at the event wanted me to come speak, but then he was like, you know what, with all these guys speaking and then I have you speak, it's not going to work because you're probably going to preach opposite of what all these guys are going to preach. He paid all of them between fifteen dollars and $20,000 to come preach, okay? So you're, you're going to get paid $20,000 to come preach. 5,000 young people that are addicted to drugs that are addicted to pornography, that are lost, that are broken, that don't know about the fear of the Lord, that don't know about the eternity, the reality of hell, that don't know about the Holy Spirit being able to fill them, that don't know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. They have no clue. They're sitting there, 5,000, and I'm sitting in the back of the room. He asked me to preach at it, but we did, we both decided it wouldn't be a good idea because of the preachers he brought out, okay? And I have this speaker come up, which you all know. He has hundreds of thousands of followers. I won't mention his name because you all know him. He gets up and preaches, Marcus, the weakest message I've ever heard in my life. He tells three jokes. He preaches for 21 minutes. And then he says, who wants to invite Jesus in their heart? And people were laughing at the altar. There was no fear, no reverence, no breakthrough, no deliverance, no miracles, no repentance, no holiness. And I sat and I cried and I, and the Lord began to show me Isaiah, your generation. And this is why I've raised you up. Isaiah is full of jab preachers if you know boxing you know what a jab is a jab doesn't knock out an opponent no one gets knocked out by a jab all it is is just to weaken your opponent slightly but God says Isaiah I'm removing the jab preachers that never throw knockout blows and I'm raising up preachers that are going to throw knockout blows and give the enemy a black eye I'm going to raise up preachers that aren't going to lead you to the water and then stop you there like he said the Pharisees they shut up the kingdom of heaven. They know the location, but they don't want you to enter in. God is saying, I'm raising up preachers. And I cried. I talked to my friend after. I said, I, I with tears in my eyes, I said, this was pathetic. He told three stupid jokes that all related to pop culture. No repentance, no holiness. And these kids are going to walk away. And this is 
the per perfect picture of casual dead religion listen to me if you're going to a church that is not preaching holiness that is not preaching deliverance that is not laying hands on the sick that is not preaching the only way paul says you foolish galatians you let someone put a magic spell on you you are not going to a church you are going to a glorified country club that stuck a cross in the front yard you need to get into a place well brother there's none around me well then guess what start one from your living room this is what i did because god is saying it's time to raise up believers that are going to manifest my kingdom you are the invisible image the visible image of an invisible god on the earth it's time marcus the enemy of revival is casualness we can no longer man be casual about the things of god you got me too fired up bro you get up on here i should just have you on every single broadcast as you're firing me up man Man, you get me fired up, bro. I feel like we could probably preach all night. Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord mm. is the beginning of wisdom. It doesn't say that you are super deep and super wise. It says when you understand the fear of the Lord, that is the beginning of the wisdom. So I even believe what Brother Isaiah was just talking about just now. When I see guys preaching like that, the reason it makes me mad and, and people don't, they say, Brother Marcus, you're so mean. I might have stood up and probably booed that dude off of the thing, right? And and and, and I believe that even in, in the uh, the Bible times, man, I think most people would not like the prophets if they were in the church today. I don't think most Christians would even like Come Jesus Come if on. he walked in your church. And I know that you wouldn't like Paul. Man, bro, Isaiah, I always got people that just preach the gospel and then they get mad when i say look the gospel's baby muck and i don't mean that in an offensive way but that's the first thing you give the new christian the gospels you got matthew mark luke and john why do we need the rest of the new testament where paul is talking about uh spiritual warfare and wickedness in high places and denying yourself if all we're supposed why did not paul just talk about the gospel for all the books that he wrote he was dealing with the church he was rebuking the church he was even even rebuking the apostles. He said, I withstood Peter um, to his face. So the fear of the Lord, when I see somebody claim to be a preacher or a prophet and they have no fear, the Bible says that's the beginning. So that lets me know right now you're lukewarm. And mm. if you're lukewarm, he'll spit you out of your mouth. And guess what? Matthew 12, 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give account therefore in the day of judgment. That is a humbling scary scripture every idle word that i speak i'm gonna have to give an account on the day of judgment man let that sink in romans 12 i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is what your reasonable mm. service so the fear of god is the beginning of wisdom you're not deep unless it, that's the beginning. I understand. I have a reverence for God. And that's not like, oh, God's going to, he's going to throw me to hell. It's the same fear that my kids have of me. They respect me as daddy in the house and they, they honor me. And then he says to present your body a living sacrifice. He says, that's your reasonable service. That's your bare minimum. You're not doing God a favor by going to church on Sunday. You're mm. not doing God a favor by reading a chapter just so you can say, I read my Bible today so I can go to sleep and not feel guilty. And I'm going to read you one more verse that just came to me because Isaiah so was good. talking about it. Watch this. Without holiness, 
And I Come just want to pull up because I think that was on. Hebrews. Without holiness, no man, nobody shall see the Lord. It doesn't, the gifts of God are without repentance. You can do all this wonderful stuff. And you know what, Isaiah? That's something we probably need to talk about in a different video because there's a lot of people operating in gifts and stuff and God is not with them. Come on. Right? God is not with them. There's people who have learned how to tap into the gift and they, they learn how to manipulate the gift. Yep. It says without holiness, nobody shall see the Lord. So ask yourself, have I been presenting my body a living sacrifice? Do I have the fear of the Lord? Am I trying to live a holy life? Not a, not, no, I'm not going to be perfect, but that's where his grace covers me. That's where what he did on the cross helps me. And, and, and so, but I'm making it tough. I'm striving. I'm asking God for my daily bread. These are the things that are blocking. You know what? We, we can really sum up everything that we were saying tonight, Isaiah, with the reason why we're not having a revival is because the American church is struggling with the bare minimum. Come on, we bro. Don't do that. Say we it give again. God bare minimum praise, bare minimum worship, bare minimum commitment. We don't want to sacrifice. And so you've got people in Africa that are walking miles with no shoes to get to church. Man, and that's why we that's why we're sitting here and we have people, you know, oh, I'm gonna pray for a headache. We don't want to pray for blinded eyes. We don't because we we don't really believe it because we don't have that consecrated life that we mm. that we need to have. Like I said, Brother Marcus ain't stepping on no toes. I've been making the conscious decision to even get more intimate with God over just the last month or so. I said I, with, with everything that's going on in the world, the Bible says if they don't love the truth, God is going to send a strong delusion. Wow. That should be humbling for every single person watching this live right now. You got to say, you know what? I can't afford to be chilling in my tent, not gathering manna. I can't afford to just be following what I think is right. But the Bible says God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. You know why God allowed Obama and Trump and Biden and Kamala Harris and all these people and these things that are happening? Because nobody on the face of this earth can look at all of that and say they've got it completely figured out. Come on, bro. The only way is I got to have a prayer life. If I look at it from my own understanding, it ain't going to make no sense. And so God has allowed that to make, when 9-11 when happened, everybody wanted to pray. Now you, how is it, how is it that we've had this coronavirus, we've had all these things, and some of you still got the same prayer life that you had in wow. 2012? Say it, bro. You see, it's like, imagine, put it this way, there's a spiritual war going on, and it's like, if you, if you could imagine this, you're sitting in the tent that me and Isaiah were talking about, and there's literal sword swinging right outside your tent and bodies going down in the spirit and you're just observing and watching and not getting involved. Coronavirus going on, the spirit of the Antichrist coming against the church. And, and you know what? Some of you, you say, well, what are you talking about? California. And I'm going to pass it back to Brother Isaiah. Why is it that your governor over there was coming against worship inside. You can't tell me that's not the spirit of the Antichrist. You know why? Because the airplanes are packed every time I get on, but you're coming against the church. People saying, oh, Biden won, and they're celebrating in the street. But all this year, they were literally on the live feeds. Any pastor that kept his church open, they're, oh, he's not using wisdom. Why, why are there no masks? Why are they in there? But when people were rioting and protesting and celebrating that, you know, they think their candidate won, now it's all good. 
Why? Because it's the spirit of the Antichrist. I went in Las Vegas. I stayed in the hotels when I went to preach. Casinos packed. And you don't see nobody getting mad about that. But they're mad about the church gathering. Wake up and realize it's bigger than coronavirus. It's the spirit of the Antichrist using these things. That, see, in America, we are so politically correct. They're not going to just come attack the church straight on. You know why? Because, because of the history in America with Christianity, it's always been acceptable to be a Christian. We even encourage the slaves to be Christians. They were given the slaves Bibles and saying, yeah, go ahead and be a Christian. So it's never been a bad thing to be a Christian in America. But now we're, we're living in this time where people are raising up and they're trying to come against that. And you better wake up and you better pay attention and see what's going on. And so because of that, because of the history in America, they know I can't just come against the church because then I'm not going to get elected in. That's why they pander. Now, watch this church. They're talking about, oh, we might need to do away with the Electoral College. You know what? You guys are doing such a bad job with who you're voting for. We can never allow this to happen again. So we're going to change the whole system. And we're going to pick who our leader is going to be. We don't even want you guys to vote no more. And if I don't need you to vote anymore, I don't have to pander to you anymore. Now I can show you how I really feel about your church and your Christianity because you have nothing to give me. Back in the day, I pandered to you because I needed your vote. And so I told you what you wanted to hear as a Christian. But now if I don't need your vote, I don't got to pander to you. And now I can just do what I really feel. And let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters, if you don't believe that there are people out there that think that they are doing, they, the Bible says they will cast you out of the synagogues and think that they're doing God a favor. If you don't think that there's people out there right now that they think that they're making the world a better place by getting a uh, rid of religion and coming against Christianity. I'm from Chicago and it's very liberal. Every college class, Isaiah, it don't matter if it's geology, psychology, they bash Jesus, bro. Not mm -hmm. Mohammed. They don't talk yep. about, it's always something about Jesus that they bring up in the class and then they push the LGBTQ stuff. Guess what? That's the spirit of the Antichrist. Wake up, church. I agree, man. I think we need to, and this is why even talking about spiritual warfare, talking about hindrances, we need to get trained. You're not going to survive, and we'll, we'll end it on this. You will not survive the coming days, because here's the bottom line reality, and people don't like this. I've been, I said this last year, all year. Things are not going to get better, y'all. Things are going to get worse. The Bible does not say the closer the end comes, the better it's going to get, but what's going to happen is the glory of the Lord is going to increase. Do I believe in a revival? Absolutely. Do I believe in the move of God? Absolutely. But you have to understand that the worse it gets in the world, oftentimes the greater it gets for the kingdom. I think we need some persecution. We know the church grows in persecution, not in blessing. And so I believe that God is training us up. God is preparing warriors, not warriors, warriors, not warriors. God is taking away the cowards. God is telling the church, spit out the pacifier, pick up the sniper rifle, no more wimps. I preached this uh, uh, in Arizona a about a month ago, Marcus. I said, we gotta get the wimps out of the pulpit. And wimps are someone that's not willing to stand up for anything. They're not willing because of a lack of courage to speak out against anything. God says, I'm getting the wimps out. They lack courage, they lack boldness. And I'm getting in people that are willing to violently 
assault the kingdom of darkness. I'm talking spiritual, yeah. I'm not talking about getting a pitchfork and lighting places on fire. This is not a battle that could be won on the comment section or on Facebook or argue with your friends and family over politics. This is a spiritual war that must be engaged with the spirit. There are spiritual forces that are at war, spirits of pride, spirits of arrogance at war trying to shut you down. And tonight is the night that God is saying, I'm raising you up as a sniper. I'm raising you up as a warrior. I would love to have you on again some point in the near future markets we'll just keep going on it but i'm telling you guys these are the hindrances this casual this complacent you tell me let's ask him this marcus you tell me what channel what pastors and i'm not saying we're the only ones we're part of the remnant you can get on and they're going to start calling out this pandering gospel this casual gospel this complacent gospel you're not going to have that pastors are covering for each other they're preaching a watered down malnourished lukewarm burger king mcdonald's have it your way hometown buffet gospel that says live like the devil and then one day you'll you'll be saved because you invited Jesus to build a treehouse in your heart which is not even in the Bible by the way and God is saying I'm raising up warriors to train my church I'm guys I enlisted for an army if this is all about showing up for an hour living a casual Christian life I would rather go back to partying and go back to atheism go back to drinking go back to doing all that stuff because I when I signed up the night I got saved the audible voice of God said Isaiah I'm calling you to preach to my people because the pastors won't God says join this army I enlisted to an army not a Chuck E. Cheese social club and I'm telling you it's time for the army to rise up I want to pray guys over you I know many of you are right now you've been feeling the Holy Spirit the presence of God is moving you know many of you are still on here I'm going to pray over you and then Marcus if you want to end in uh, end in a prayer I'm just going to pray that God would raise you up I'm going to pray that God would break every hindrance every roadblock some of you have strongholds these are not demons. These are strongholds. These are fortresses. These are mindsets that the enemy has built. You know when the Bible says to renew your mind, it wasn't talking about the world. It was talking to the believer, meaning your mind doesn't get immediately renewed when you're saved, but it goes through a renewing process. This, is a, this was letters to the church, not the world. Paul says you need to renew your mind. And right now, God is demolishing ideas, mindset, strongholds. God is speaking to some of you that are in dead places, dead relationships, dead believers around you, and God is calling you to higher ground god is not asking you to give leftovers he not he's not asking you to give bare minimum he's saying now's the time so we're going to pray this father we ask you tonight lord that you would just send your your battering ram of the holy ghost that you would shatter and demolish every stronghold every mindset every demonic force every demonic power every demonic spirit we bind it now that's tried to hinder you from having revival tried to hinder you from the manifest presence of god lord we ask you for a holy ghost fire to come right now we ask you for a holy ghost power to come we ask that you would send legions of angels to go and be released right now over every person in the chat be in their homes be in their marriage be in their businesses begin to make war like daniel 10 let these angels make war against those things that are delaying our prayers from being answered those things that are delaying our breakthrough god we are asking for divine healing for divine divine breakthrough wake your people up i pray that lord you'd begin to show them the route of discipline show them god how to have an advantage over the enemy show them how 
how to crucify the flesh, God. Show them and train them and equip them, God, to begin to shut down the vices and the voices of the culture and begin to follow you, God. We come against this antichrist spirit, this antichrist agenda that is swept into the churches and that has kicked you out of the building, kicked you out of the church. And we just pray, God, for Holy Ghost fire. We pray Holy Ghost anointing. We pray, God, have your way. I pray you would use their lips as trumpets. I pray you'd use their tongues as swords. I pray that the word would be sharp. I pray baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. And tonight, God, we just ask for your spirit. If you feel anything, Marcus, you could just pray. But we just we just pray right now, God, for an outpouring of your spirit. Lord, Father, I just thank you for my brothers and my sisters that are watching this live. It's not an accident that they tuned in. It's not an accident that they clicked on this. Lord God, we don't want to be just hearers of the word. We want to be doers. Let them take this word, hide it in their heart, meditate on it and say, how can I apply what these brothers were preaching about tonight? How can I How can I take it and apply it to my life? How can I take it and make a difference? How can I take it and contribute to the kingdom? Lord, you said the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Let their steps be ordered by you. Father, we've said a lot tonight. We've prayed a lot tonight, but Lord God, just make the message clear to each individual. Break it down to them on an individual basis. What do they need to do with the word that they received tonight? And we just thank you. We give you praise. We thank you for 2020. We thank you for everything that you've been doing. We give you all the love. We give you all the glory. Help us, Lord God, to be better. None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. Shape us, make us, mold us. Break us down to build us up, Lord God, to be a reflection of just your words, your will, and your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, what an awesome time with you. Guys, please, 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 the links are right there in the comments. So I'm going to sew. I know he's going to say no, 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 and try to tell me I can't give him anything. I'm going to sew into him regardless of what you guys do. Yeah, he's already going to tell me and text me. But guys, please sew into what God is doing. Sew into the ministry. Marcus, let us know uh, where they could find you. Um, just probably my website, www.marcusrogers.org. And then you guys know YouTube, Facebook, put my name in. You'll see some good things. You'll see some bad things, but it's all love. <laughs> love you, man. Thanks so much for being on the show tonight. Love you, bro. Love Thank you, bro. man. Awesome. Take Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.